Hello and welcome to our fourth episode of No Game Plan with your hosts Stephanie and Eduardo. Uh, this is a podcast where we just have a bit of a chat about everything that's happened in the last week. Bit of a natter. A bit of a natter. Yeah, we also talk a little bit about music, a little bit about TV. Yes. And let's get started. Well, this week, no other topic matters other than the Spice Girls. Oh, God, I've had la, enough la, of this. La. I've had enough of the Spice Girls. Next episode. <laughs> uh, are you excited? So freaking excited. On Saturday morning, we had every electronic device open with Ticketmaster. Yeah. And we managed only just to get tickets. Yeah, we did. We? Yeah. I mean, we're definitely not in first row, but it's a pretty pretty good seat. Yeah. yeah. The, well, the, we did manage to get standing. And I'm too old to stand for three hours. <laughs> we got. We managed to get some seated ones that were a bit closer. And then I started to cry. <laughs> this has made my life. I've never in my whole life been able to go and see the Spice Girls. Right. So what's, what's going to be so exciting about the show? Nostalgia. Absolute nostalgia. Like, I've been Baby Spice since I can remember. Like, I can't remember a time before I knew who the Spice Girls were. And I can't remember a time where I didn't relate to Baby Spice. Fair enough. It's cheesy, but... Um, Do you... Are you sad that Posh is not going to join the... No, she's the worst one. All right. I really don't care. They were on Jonathan Ross on Saturday. Yeah. It's definitely the four biggest characters. Right. Posh would just be quiet and posh. But you still need her, no? No. You still need her because it's part of the, you know, the five-star pentagram. No, <laughs> I'm not, I I'm, don't not think. I'm not comparing them with the Titanic. Uh... My friend at work today couldn't believe that you were going to go. She was impressed. Well, I'm treating it as a research project. <laughs> what do you mean? Stay tuned, but when the date comes, I think it's 15th of June, 14th, I can't remember. Yeah. But I will document everything <laughs> on Instagram from the very morning when she wakes up and starts singing the, the tunes before we even get there. I'll be, it'll be my David Attenborough moment. <laughs> <laughs> documentary yeah the wife gets ready she's putting her hair in ponytails i'm so dressing up as baby spice i knew we all know we all know don't we <laughs> but i'm going because it'll definitely be a good show i mean the production value is going to be amazing there's no question about it i gotta say i do like a few of the songs i grew up with them my really? sister yeah. which one's your favorite uh too too much of nothing or how does that one go really yeah that's a good ballad that's a cult one it's a great song plus you've been to a lot of shows where you don't know the music and you just go for me so i think i have it was my turn to do the other way around i mean you owed me one but i didn't think you owed me as big of a one but my topic of the week is something that really surprised me really china unveiled its first ai news anchor Oh my goodness, didn't you tell me roughly about this, but that sounds super gross. That sounds creepy as hell. No, it's, it's like, actually, I, I'm not sure if it's a robot, you know, like a physical robot or just a hologram of a person. It looks pretty realistic. Right. And like the movements of the mouth, their gestures. Is it a woman or a man? It's a man. Don't get angry at me, I didn't choose this. <laughs> anyway, this news channel obviously has most of their news in Chinese. Mm-hmm. But they also have this other segment, which is going to be 24 hours in English. And the person, well, the robot. You can't even call it a person. Well, I don't know. I don't, this, is, this is what is so interesting. Because the way this works is it can be fed news that are being shown in the other channel by the human anchors. And then this robot just translates them to English. Mm. Or it can also analyze broadcasts 
and make its own news from them. So just translate what he's watching or it is watching. He oh creepy, uh, and then translate into English. So the robot was interviewed and. It said, I will work tirelessly to keep you informed as text will be typing to my system uninterrupted. I look forward to bringing you the brand new news experiences. How do you feel about that? Uh, iRobot is starting to be the real life. Yeah. Does it excite you or does it scare you? No, it scares the life out of me. I don't like that. Why? We're not going to need humans anymore. For certain jobs, which I don't think is a bad thing. Well, I always thought journalism was the human. It was such a human job. You can't get rid of that. But apparently, no, yes, you can. No, I guess for like, you know, interviews and stuff, you still need humans. Again, English news are not particularly important in in China. So you just need someone to translate them. So why have a like paid person to translate the news, which is not going to be as fast as a robot. So why not have a robot to do it? Well, it's like the app where you just speak into it in your language and it just spits out the language that you want to learn. Yeah, it's just technology being better than us at something, which I, I welcome. I think it's okay. Really? Yeah. No, I think eventually the robots will take over. Well, I think that's when it gets interesting. For example, this AI anchor is going to work 24 hours. Mm. So that's illegal, but no one cares because this is a robot. Mm. But at some point, someone's going to go, well, robot lives matter, and they're going to have to have their own set of rights and things like that. How far in the future do you see it? Oh, well, a while, definitely like a hundred years or so, because I don't think robots are as advanced now. You don't see them on, on your daily life. You don't... Yeah, you do. I just went to Tesco's and I didn't, I wasn't served by a person. Yeah, but it's a screen. It's not a, it's not an Android, someone that looks like you. Androids are the creepy bit. Yeah, well, that's... Humanoid. Humanoid androids, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's creepy. I can deal with screens. Yeah, but that's not a robot. So if that's a robot, then your computer's a robot. And your phone. Yeah, but I don't count them as robots. Maybe we should. No, yeah, I I for one welcome it. If they're going to make life easier for humans and and expand our news programs or any other things, I I welcome it. I welcome it too. If if it means replacing P.S. Morgan with a robot, I'll be happy. Right. So the other thing I wanted to talk about this week is the U.S. midterm elections. Yay. Oh, there we go. (laughs) I don't know anything about them. I don't really fully understand why they had elections if Trump is still there. Well, let's not get into like the nitty gritty of how American politics works. But like the ballpark thing is they do elections for the Congress and the Senate. Is it kind of like the House of Commons? The House of Commons is the Congress. Right. And the House of Lords is the Senate. Okay. Roughly. Roughly, but not, they're not never the same thing. Yeah. Okay. It's not the same thing, but kind of, right? Just just from a primary school level knowledge. Yeah. So it's just kind of like that. There's two houses. Okay. But the thing is, their elections are one of them is every six years and the other house is every two years. And presidents in America change every four years, which means in each term of a president, there'll be at least one election, which is called midterm elections, where both the Senate and the Congress can change a lot. Right. Is it kind of like they get more seats? Yeah. One, one side will always get more seats. And that's when you say you won the Senate or you won the Congress. Ah. But that's not what I wanted to talk about. Okay. What I want to talk about is that if you knew that it was a historical year for women. No. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's been the year that there's more, more women in Congress. Still not half and half. Uh, what's the total? A uh, total of 112 women. So is that a lot in comparison? How many seats are there? I'm not sure, but it's some somewhere around 400. Uh, let me just double check. I had the figure here. 
It's 435. Right. So it's a fourth of the house. Still not half and half. I was going to say that's not good enough yet. No, it's not the number. The number's growing. That's good. Yeah. It's not half and half. That's bad. Mm. But the good thing is a few records, a few firsts for America, right? And I know it's not your country and it's not my country either, but it's a big country that kind of can pave the way for politics for other countries, right? America has an influence on both of our countries. Exactly. So one of the first milestones was there were two women that are the first Native American women elected to Congress. Right. There's also two other girls that are the first Muslim women to represent their states in the house. Okay, that's good, especially with Blumen. Trump and his Muslim ban. Exactly. So there's what a middle finger to that. So they're both ethnic minorities, Muslim women and Native American women. Mm. So so that's good for them. And then there's this girl from Latino descent called Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, which is the youngest congresswoman ever in history. She's 29 years old. Oh, I think I heard about her. Wasn't she? Wasn't she a, a waitress? Like yeah. when she started her working career as a waitress? I think a year ago, I can't remember where she lived, but a year ago she was working either as a waitress or a bartender. That's pretty impressive. I know. Do you turn your career like that? And a year later, she's the youngest congresswoman in the United States. I take it she's a Democrat. All of these women are Democrats. Oh, brilliant. And again, I don't I don't mind about political sides. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. But uh, it's just good to see more, more representation of women and of women of, of color and women of minorities and younger people as well. Yeah. No offense to all people, but yeah, like young people bring something different to the house. No, definitely. New ideas. So do those women and the others that have been elected, they have power now so they can vote in Congress and they can have influence on laws and things? Yeah, of course. The way Congress works is kind of the House of Commons. You you put in a proposal and then it gets voted and, and have impact on their communities. Ah. Yeah. Well, speaking of women in the workplace... I am technically working from today until the end of the year, along with all the other women in Britain, for free. Did you know that? I know. Uh, you should put your out-of-office email reply from now. You should. Yeah, that's what a uh, few women are doing that. You know, when you send an email to these women, you just get an out-of-office reply and you go like, what the hell is this November? Yeah. But it's just because uh, women don't get paid as much as men. I can't believe. It's been years since the Equal Pay Act. Yeah. If that was a law against anybody else, if that was a, any other law, that would be enforced heavily. Why is it that laws to protect women aren't enforced as much? Because people can get away with it. I think it goes back a little bit to what we talked about last episode about Philip Green from Topshop. Yeah. Until someone gets accounted by either harassment or not paying equally all of your employees mm. just because they're women, until someone actually suffers the consequences of not following the law, mm. people are just going to keep doing it, unfortunately, because you can get away with it. And with this is an uncomfortable thing to talk about, isn't it? You don't want to ask your peers, how much are you being paid? Especially if they're a man, because that's seen as tasteless and tacky and bosses and CEOs and managers have managed to tiptoe around pay discrepancies especially in Britain, it's not the done thing to stick your neck out on the line and say, am I being paid enough? Like, that's very tactless. That's not very British. I also think because it's, it's unclear sometimes and you, you're embarrassed to ask or I will be embarrassed to ask. Yeah. And I work in the creative industry, so that's kind of you get paid for the job. So it's not a set salary. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Mm. So it's a bit trickier to get what's fair here. 
But you work in an industry where it's a set salary. No matter yeah. what you do each month, you're going to get the same amount of salary. So I think what big employers, big companies should do is just be very clear and very open of what the salaries are. So then that would make the employees not uncomfortable of asking each other, like, how much do you earn? Because it will be out there in the open. Well, that's the idea, but that still doesn't happen because they argue that their male counterparts are doing more. They're assigned more roles. They've got a bigger job title. Because that happened with um, the BBC and the China editor, Carrie Gracie, when she quit over the pay gap. Yeah. Now they've taken it as just a sabbatical because she's going to go back to work, apparently. But she found out that she was doing exactly the same job, but being paid less. Yeah. Because the BBC did what you said and put everything out there and said, this is what we're paying everyone. And she looked at it and thought, hang on, that's not fair. Why have you got a different title to me when we're doing the same job? Yeah but I'm being paid less, just contractually. But it is scary, like, the thought of going to a tribunal or taking your employer to court to say, I should be paid the same. What if you fail? Well, I think it's worth the fight, though. That's easy to say. That's much harder to do. Yeah, I'm not saying it's easy to do. You've got bills to pay. I'm not saying it's easy to do. I'm just saying it's worth the fight. It's a hard thing for women to have to do, though. I think it should come from the top. It's not going to come from the top. I can guarantee it's not going to come from the top. No. No, of course not. Because these people want to get away with paying the least they can. Mm. So if they can get away with something, they'll try it. Yeah. I'm not everyone. I don't want to categorize that every CEO of every company is an evil mastermind. But I'm just saying it won't come from the top. Maybe someone can put an example. But I think it still needs to come from every angle. You know, from the bottom, employees have to start demanding more things. And then people have to quit. Uh, not only women, you know, like men should support. Yeah, their male counterparts. And, you know, like you see it sometimes, you read it in the papers that co-stars decide to... Of movies, yeah. Yeah, like... When they're paid enough, they can argue they're paying. Exactly. I mean, if you're getting paid for a million, you can knock down one million and you'll be okay. Mm. But just in like non-outrageous industries, like in a car company, if you're like working in the factory... You're trying to stay afloat, yeah. Exactly. I, I think everyone should support each other. I agree. What is your opinion on stop and search by the police in the UK? I think it's valid, but it's biased, which is not great. Mm, Okay. This morning on Good Morning Britain, they were talking to the Home Secretary and his advice on the recent knife crime that's been happening in London was that he thinks the police should have more powers to stop and search because they reduced them recently and said, oh, it's been very biased targeted at certain individuals in London, mainly black and Asian. Yeah. So what the Home Secretary's advice was, was that the police, whether you're white, whether you're black, whether you're Asian, whatever your race is, the police, if they've got enough valid evidence, should be able to stop and search you. But what qualifies as enough valid evidence? Well, if they've got reason to suspect. What's what's the reason to suspect? I don't know. That's where it gets tricky, I think. I think they should be able to stop people in the street and say like, I saw something shiny coming out of your pocket. Can we just search you? And if they find a knife, of course you're arrested. I don't even think it's something shiny. I think it's more about behavior and this you're acting suspicious. What is acting suspicious? Well, the police are trained in that, aren't they? What's the training though? What type of behavior? I'm sorry, I'm asking. I haven't a lot done of the questions. training, darling. I don't know. Exactly, but that's the question. Is the behavior being loud and abrasive? I don't think violence and knife crime is specific to one creed or one color of a skin. No, no one's saying that. 
but what we're saying is that's that why I have all these questions like what's the criteria of stopping someone you say behavior or what type of behavior they're looking well, for whatever the police are trained to look for why is it that the old training or the current training only stops certain people of color uh, yeah I know. I agree that there should be a certain power to stop someone in the street that looks suspicious or that you have enough proof or evidence. But what is the criteria for this? Yeah. And why do the numbers are more towards uh, black and Asian communities? And I agree. I think it's been really biased in the past, which would also, people would argue that they don't trust the police because when they see the police, they think, oh, well, I don't feel safe around you. You're just going to target me for the color of my skin for how I look, mm. for my age, yeah. whatever it is. So then it creates negativity between both. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I remember a couple of years ago, maybe it was last year, Skepta, you know, the grime artist. Oh, yeah. Or, or maybe it was Jamie. I can't remember. One of the two guys, every time they, they go out to the shop to get something to the supermarket, I mean, they both have money. They've done well for themselves. So they yeah. go out in like a nice Range Rover or BMW, flashy a flashy yeah. car, but with tinted windows. That's their style. style and that's yeah. absolutely fine. They knew they were going to get stopped. And I want to say I want to say it was Jamie. But if I got it wrong, I'm sorry. It was someone from the grime side of things. And he would get stopped two out of every three times that he... No way. And he would like obviously put his phone on record every time he got stopped and why did I get stopped off his and they couldn't give him a reason no it's just like oh well you're yeah was... see that's that's racial targeting isn't it and that's what I don't disagree with the idea of having to stop people to reduce crime in the streets but the training should be not targeting one specific ethnicity or social group it should be but the tricky thing is that it's really peaked in London knife crimes peaked massively yeah it's got there's a stab in a day if not more but I don't something needs to be done and the worst thing was the statistic apparently for stop and search when it was at its highest it was one in four stop and searches would find something yeah i'm sorry that it's increased and that's not great for the whole city but that doesn't justify just stopping every kid that is black or ethnic from the age of i don't know 16 to 25 that doesn't justify it no you're right having said that it's just such a weird i totally agree with you and i totally agree that a white like teenager should be stopped just as many times as a black or asian child and i imagine that that doesn't happen in london no not at all and it's completely based on their race and that's that is racism that's unfair bias Mm -hmm. but but the other thing is you want that ethnicity group to be protected as well because they're not protected currently. So what do you do? I don't have How the answer. How do you help? I don't think I have the answer. Me neither. But having said that, the only thing I wanted to add to this, it was that even though it looks like crime is going up, a knife crime, and you hear it in all the papers, coming from a country with way more crime than the UK, coming to Mexico and growing my formative years there, it's okay here. I know it sometimes it looks like it isn't because the numbers look scary, but it's a very safe city and a very safe country. Just the fact, me coming from a country where every policeman you see carries a machine gun or an automatic weapon. Yeah, that freaked me out the first time. And you don't know if they're going to try to do something corrupt Corrupt. to you or they're actually going to help you. That is way more scary than here. I see a policeman and I feel safe. They never have weapons. Very rarely you see a policeman in the UK with a weapon. But isn't that our luxury? I'm going I'm going back doubling over on my argument that there's a there's a group of people in Britain that wouldn't feel safe seeing a policeman here. Yeah, true. So it's just a catch twenty two. Yeah. Wow.
Right, now on to our section where my husband talks about music and recommends an album. Yeah, album of the year. Sorry, album of the week. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe in the last episode I'll do an album of the year, the best album of 2018. But, but we're still in November. There's still some contenders that might come out. Yeah. Uh, actually, thinking about it, maybe one day you should do album of the week. Whatever you think is an album. Ooh, of the week. mix up the format. Do you want to do it now? Do you don't have anything ready? Nope. Okay, we'll do it. We'll do it maybe next week or whenever you're ready. This week I wanted to talk about an album from a Spanish artist called Rosalia. Oh, I can't. Come on, roll your own. Rosalia. Oh, I did one. Rosalia. 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 Yeah, it's her second album and it's called El Mal Querer, which means the bad loving. El Mal. El Mal. El mal. Querer. Querer. I mean, the whole album is about a story of a, of a woman being in like a controlling, abusive relationship and then all the trouble that comes with it. But slowly as the album goes on, she starts realizing that she shouldn't be there. She shouldn't feel trapped. She shouldn't feel, you know, abused emotionally. And she slowly starts to gain her own confidence. And every song has, you know, as you do a song title, but they also call it like a chapter and it kind of is... It's the message of his song and the album finishes with, with the song called Power, which is when nice. she feels she feels free and, and relieved. Cool. But what's so important about this album, I think, it's her second album, but she's mixing a lot of very traditional folk a storytelling, singing and rhythm from Spain. Mm. You know, flamenco, right? Right, yeah. The style of flamenco that she's singing is from the gypsies of the south of Spain. And I'm not an expert in flamenco, but I was speaking to a friend from Malaga and she was telling me how spot on does she have it. She was telling me of how impressive it is that she can combine all this flamenco with very modern elements of music like hip-hop and trap and pop music. So it's this juxtaposition of something very traditional, very Spanish, almost classical in a way, and then this really popular side of what kids like to listen, like trap and grime and hip-hop, and she combines both of them perfectly. Nice. Have you listened to any of the songs? Only the one on Jules Holland. Yeah, and how good was that? I loved it. She had a crazy outfit. Absolutely. It's also, she has a visual element of it perfectly. As well. She's really young, right? I don't know her age, but I'm gonna guess. She looks young. She looks early twenties. Like Eighteen, I'd say. I think maybe early twenties, but she's very talented. Yeah, and you can see that she's gonna grow a lot. I like that she can sing and rap. Yeah, and I was reading a review of the album in the Guardian. Yeah. Because obviously she sings in Spanish. Mm. And as a Spanish speaker, I understand everything that she's singing about. But all of the English speakers, which is the majority of her fans, have no idea what she's singing about. That's have cool. Not one clue. And this reviewer, this critic said, I had no clue what she was singing about, but I still felt emotionally moved by what she was doing. Oh. Are you going to listen to this one? I genuinely will, because she was good. Yeah, she's really, really good. And I think she has a very bright future. Yeah. So the album is called El Mal Querer. And I think I'm going to have to spell it. So it's E-L space M-A-L space Q-U-E-R-E-R. And the artist is Rosalia. And I have to say that I'm really proud that when you spell letters in English, your vowels sound Geordie. What, what was that? Like what? E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-
and the clocks went back so it's just pitch back at four o'clock and it's just not the weather to be going out no. gallivanting about town. It's the type of weather to be sitting in watching TV. You didn't watch it, but Graham Norton this week was good. It was a gem. He had Michael Bublé on. Ugh. He also had the guy from the Kingsman, yeah. the lead, Taron Egerton, I think you call him. Yeah. He's starring as the new, they're doing another Robin Hood film. Oh yeah, it doesn't look very good, no, does it? It's like a sci-fi one. But it's got uh, what's his name? The guy that read Ray Charles. No, Jamie Foxx. Yeah, Jamie Foxx in yeah, it, right? Yeah. yeah. But he's starring as Rocket Man. Elton John. He's going to be Elton John in the I've new movie. I've seen the trailer of that, and that looks amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why it looks really good. Yeah, you like a good music biopic, don't oh, you? Oh my goodness, especially after Queen. Yeah. But the rapport between those two was so good. And then Sir Ian McKellen. Oh, I love him. He's oh, great. He told a great story about him and Judy Dench. Right. And they and the throne room in the in Buckingham Palace. Mm-hmm. And he said it like he's there every weekend. He went, "Oh, you know, we were at Buckingham Palace for another event." Like as if he just pops in to see Betty for a cup of tea. Probably. And he said that he was dancing in a little soiree with Judy Dench, and they danced off around the corner and. They both recognised the room that they were in. They go, what room is this? I've seen this before, but not here. Where is it? They were in the throne room and they both sat on the thrones. Nice. As if you'd be allowed. Anyway, the rapport between those guys was really good. So I recommend people watch Graham Norton this week. Okay, so another thing I'd recommend this week would be Alone at Home. It's a Channel 4 show. It's taken at the eight to nine slot from Crystal Maze. Okay, yeah. And sometimes with Travel Man. Richard Adewadi's gone on holiday. Now, it's one of the shows that I love that Channel 4 do, where it's real life, bit like a documentary, bit like a real life factual show. What's it about? They leave teenagers in their homes mm-hmm. for a couple of days, unparented, right? unsupervised. They record them. Yep. The only supervision they've got is cameras with producers who will only intervene if they're in immediate danger. So they, they know they're being recorded. They know they're being recorded, but... They know that their parents are watching? No, their parents don't watch. Their parents go somewhere else. So their parents only find out what they do when it airs. Is it like that show where, where parents used to show up on, on someone's holiday? Yeah, a bit, but they don't get to see it and you don't see the reaction of the parents. Right, but the kids know when the parents are going. Eventually. They know the gist of things. They know they're going to be alone, but watched by someone. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But the main aim of the show is to see, almost just be entertained by the struggles of teenagers. For example, the one that I watched on Friday was two teenage girls and the thought of them getting the bus horrified the pair of them. They were only given £70 for food and activities for the whole weekend. So they had to learn to budget, they had to learn to time manage, they had to learn to feed themselves, they had to learn to clean the house. They had one last meal as a family and then the parents left, but they didn't do the dishes. Okay. You would have been horrified. You can't deal with the dishes being there for longer than 30 minutes after you've eaten. Exactly, because we're not teenagers. These girls kept them. They went to school the next day and they were there obviously all day when they were at school. And they only cleaned them after they'd had a meal. Another meal. So they left them there. It was super gross. That's disgusting. But as a teenager, I would never have thought of it. But watching it, I thought back as a teenager and I thought me and my brother would never have coped. But I feel like you would have. You would have been okay. Mm, I don't know. 
Depends what, how old, how young, and how. One of them is seventeen. The other one was a bit younger. Oh, that'd be fine. Yes. Yeah. Come on, at seventeen you can look after yourself, no? No, because the priority. You got seven, seventy quid for how many days? Oh, I don't know. I, I think this case it was like three. Yeah, so, you could come on. Yeah. You get a Domino's one day. You don't want to cook, and then you just get some meal deals in Tesco's. You're you're a teenager. You don't need that much food. Yeah, they literally got a taxi to school every day, which I thought was ridiculous. That's they didn't ridiculous. even bother getting the bus. That's so stupid. The first episode was so funny because the girl rang for the taxi, but she was in the middle of putting her makeup on and didn't think. She said, can we have a taxi as soon as possible? But didn't think, oh my God, I've, now the taxi's going to come here. Yeah. She just didn't know how to time manage. Just reminded me of being a teenager. Anywho. Nice. One last week we watched before we move on. Yeah. There was a really good... I don't even know how to describe it because it wasn't stand-up. It was like a one-man show. Which one? Latin History for Morons. Oh, yes, of course. That was brilliant. I mean, I'm biased because I'm Latino, so I like it. <laughs> but it's a John Leguizamo. Yeah, the actor. Yeah, the actor that does it is called John Leguizamo. And it's, you're, you're right, it's like a history lesson with comedy and stand-up. Kind of theater in a way. Like a monologue? Yeah. A monologue piece? I think it's a show called Latin History for Morons. Yeah. Obviously, you said you were biased because you're Latino. Yeah. And you sort of want to know more of your history because it's not in the textbooks. That's the yeah. whole point, the premise of the show. But I found it so interesting. It is interesting. I guess my link yeah. to it is that I married you. Yeah. And you're Latino. But if I didn't know that, I think I would still find it interesting because it's like a piece of history that, that you're missing. Yes. It's like the backstory that you never got to hear in the textbooks. Yeah, well, there is, it hasn't been heard for a reason because, you know, the winners write history books. Yeah. You never hear it from the side of losers. So if so, all of America, American content was colonized either by the Spanish, the French or the English. Yeah. So obviously... The history books were written by the Spanish, the French and the English. So mm. you don't hear the side of the colonized culture. And if anything, the way he does it is brilliant. He's so theatrical. He talks a lot about his own kids, which have a Latino father, but then a Jewish mother. Mm. And then their struggles of they don't know how to relate to their mm. heritage in a way. It's yeah. nice that he has that through story, isn't it? Yeah, it kind of links everything. And it gives a bit of relief to history because I am not going to lie, I got a D in GCSE history. I took history because my dad loves history and he's obsessed with wars. He can reel off dates. So I thought, my dad's got the gene. Mm. I'm sure I'll be good at it. I was dreadful at history. I hated it. I would just found it so depressing. Mm. But the way he does this show... It's so smart that he gives you loads and loads and loads of information. He's so physical with his theatre. Yeah, he moves a lot in the stage and uses props and like... He dances. He dances a lot. He uses his voice so well. He mimics voices. He puts on character voices. Accents, you know, like the Spanish accent and the Mexican accent, the Puerto Rican accent. He's a storyteller. Yeah, no, it's a great show. I really enjoyed it. It might upset a few people that don't like the idea of the colonizers being, you know, ruthless and kind of bad people, but that's what happened. It We've heard the other side for long enough. I think it's time we hear. Yeah, what I'm saying is like, if you don't want to hear the truth, don't watch the show. <laughs> but the truth is way more sad than the textbooks Definitely. portray it. But he doesn't make the show sad at all. I didn't feel sad in one single moment. He finds the right balance to tell you enough of the truth, enough, mm. you know, like figures and names and stories that you go like, oh my God, I didn't 
didn't know all of this happened. And then he throws in like little salsa dance mm. that just makes it funny and it brings you back to like happy world. Because he's obviously, he was brought up in New York, right? Yeah, I think he's Puerto Rican descent. I think he, he says Puerto Rican. And so for him, it's not too biased. It's not hating on America because he's American. He yeah. was brought up as a child in America. He's not hating in anyone during the That's show. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah he he's not, he's not too biased. He's just trying to say this side of history that people haven't heard before. And I know it sounds really naive, but when he says he got his blood test back, his gen- his genetic test back, yeah, and it couldn't decipher which tribe he was from, all it said was Native American because he's Latino. Yeah. That blew my mind. Because you just think of Native Americans as being Northern Native Americans. Yeah, no. It's just the modern world has adopted the word America as to one country, yeah. which is the USA. People forget that the full name of the USA is United States of America. Mm. But America is not a country. America is a continent that goes from the North Pole to the South Pole mm. almost. And it constitutes, yes, yeah, something about like 30, 35 countries. Mm. And all of those people from different skin tones, different languages, different cultures, they're all Native American yeah. of some sorts. Yeah. yeah. Right, now on to the section where we play a little game. It's a silly bit at the end. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about it on the way here. It's inspired by Paz's favourite show at the minute, which is Would I Lie to You on BBC. Oh, I love it so much. It's so funny. Obviously, we can't play Would I Lie to You, but we're going to play Two Truths and a Lie, which you would think would be tricky for a couple. So how is this going to work? I'm going to tell you two things that are true and then one thing that's a lie. You're going to tell me three sentences and I have to try and figure out which one the lie is. You can ask questions about them? Yes. Okay. And you can just ask me about either of them. Yeah. And then you have to decide at some point which one's a lie. Yeah. Are you ready? Okay. Here we go. When I was a kid, I kicked a teacher in the face. She fell down and I didn't get suspended. That's number one. Number two... I once got so angry with my parents that I ran away from home and ended up in another city. And number three, I was once in a car chase with the police and my friends. I know the last one is true. <laughs> you don't know that. I just feel like you have some ridiculous stories of your teenage years where you were slightly rebellious. So yeah. I feel like the last one would be true. So you think I was in a car chase with the police? Oh, with the police. Yes, but I don't feel like it would be as dramatic as it sounds. I feel like it would be smaller. I don't know. I don't think you ran away from home. I don't know. Okay, which city did you end up in? I ended up in a city not too far from Guadalajara called Tlaquepaque. And why were you angry? They wouldn't let me buy a stereo that I wanted. Um, How did you kick your teacher? I was coming out of a class and then there was a bar coming down the stairs and I kind of swung myself from it and then she was coming into the stairs and I kicked her in the face and she fell down. Did you get your stereo in the end? I did get my stereo, but not when I wanted it. Your parents wouldn't put up with that, surely not. I was only there, if it helps you, I was only in Tlaquepaque for like when it got dark and then I figured out my mistake and then I went back. How did you travel there? Because Guadalajara, it's tricky to travel. By bus, the 626 takes you to Tlaquepaque. No, stop. And it takes an hour and a half to get to Tlaquepaque. Did you go with anyone else? No, just me. What did you pack? I took nothing. I literally just took my wallet and my Walkman. CD Walkman. CD Walkman, that's the one. And I got on the 626 to Tlaquepaque and then I thought I would figure out when I get there. But obviously when it started to get dark, I panicked and I was like, well, I have nowhere to sleep. So I went back. I made my decision. Which one is it? 
I think you did end up in a police chase. I think you did kick your teacher in the face. And I don't think you would ever run away from your parents. That is correct. Yes. <laughs> Yay me. Yeah. I did kick my teacher by accident. <laughs> <laughs> and she fell down on the floor. Bet she hated you. She was a very scary teacher. And I thought, this is the end of me. I'm going to be expelled. But she told me, she when she stood up and she was like... Oh. Rubbing her face Rubbing her cheek She said Watch out You can get hurt If you do that And I was like I can get hurt How about you It was a complete accident I didn't mean to kick her And then I did end up In a police car chase Because we ran A red light With my friends in, In a beach holiday You weren't driving I wasn't driving Yeah We ran a red light And then we saw A police behind us It was a very old Police car So we just decided To go for it Because we had A better car Than the police But all of a sudden, we had six cars behind us, which were definitely better cars, and they caught up on us. They took the car. My friend that was driving had to go to jail for about eight hours, and then in the morning, we had to bail him with the little money that we had all on us. I hope that learned you a lesson. I know, I know. And then, no, I never ran from home. My parents were really, really nice. and I I knew that. Yeah, I know. There you go. Okay, go on. Your turn. Okay, okay. I have far distant relatives in... America that live in America. Yeah. I've taken break dancing lessons as a child and I once played the scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz. Okay. How old were you when you played the scarecrow? Maybe year three or year four. So like what, seven, eight? Okay. Why why the scarecrow? Why not Dorothy? Why not something more exciting? Because we had to audition for it. Yeah. It was just a little school play. Yeah. And I went to a tiny school. Just to give you some context, I, my class had 17 children in the whole year. Okay. Like it was a tiny little village school. And the girl that was auditioning for Dorothy was like the school bully kind of. Yeah. And I did not want to go up against her. Okay. Did you enjoy playing the scarecrow? Yeah. I got told off once. Because I had to sort of stand in the corner and pretend to play. Okay. But I distracted some of the smaller children because I was being silly and improvising. Very good. Right. Who are your long relatives that live in America? I've never met them. So which side of the family are they on? My dad's. Are they cousins of your father? Uncles of your father? What's the story here? Uh, There's a story. You know, nowadays everyone loves ancestry. Yeah. There's a tale that very far back, there were two brothers. One decided to stay in Britain and one went, was it called like the gold rush? Yeah, the gold rush. So there's some form of relatives that live there that have the same surname as me, but I've never met them and I don't know who they are. Right, but they, whoever brother went to the gold rush, stayed Mm. there and formed the family, I assume, with... Apparently, So you must have some long distant cousins, but they'll still live in America. Yeah. So which part of America did he move, this brother? I don't know. You don't know? No. Hmm, how suspicious. (laughs) What was the other one? I break dancing lessons as a kid. Oh, you know, this was not too hard to believe because you did take a lot of dancing lessons. Yeah. So where did you take these break dancing lessons? Uh, uh, My school at Michelle's. Michelle's School of Dance. So it, it was not your school where you went every day. It was an after school thing. Yeah, it's a dance school that I was at from being three. Right. Me and my brother took part, he'll kill me for saying this, but we took part in street dancing and break dancing. Okay. But then I also took part in Irish dancing, Yeah. which didn't last very long. I mean, I know that you would like any sort of dancing and mm. just, you know, broadening your, your skills. But why did you pick break dancing over any other? Well, I thought it was cool. 
But as soon as I tried it, I realized I wasn't very strong. I think I thought break dancing was more like street dancing. Okay. But it wasn't. Uh, I'm going to switch back to your America relative. Yeah. Do you know the name of the brothers? No. You don't know the either of them? No. Well, it seems like we found a little <laughs> loophole there. So I'm going to say you did take breakdancing lessons. Yeah. You were the scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz yeah. once, but you don't have relatives in America. You got it wrong. What? You got it wrong. Which one? Go on, tell me which one's the lie. Breakdancing. No way. I did street dancing. I never did breakdancing. I oh. knew it was close enough, but no, I never did breakdancing. Because that's when you spin on your head, right? So wait, no, I'm still intrigued. I mean, you're a liar, <laughs> but uh, I'm still intrigued. Who's this relative in America? Well, this was why I thought it was a good one, because I don't actually know enough information about it. I just know my aunties did Ancestry.com and they found out that there's a, two brothers. One went to Norwich and went to the north. For the coal mines. Yeah, and the other one and went, the other to, America one went the to America for the gold. Fair enough. You win this round. I can't round. believe you didn't see through the breakdancing one. Well, when you, you asked could, so many questions about it, I was like... <laughs> you, you played it very well. I could, I could see you breakdancing. I, mean, I think I just needed it to be close enough to everything else. I you like dancing, so I could see you taking some breakdancing lessons. Yeah. Well, that's it from us. Thank you for tuning in. Another day, another episode. We hope you liked it. And as usual, please write us with your comments, any suggestions, any ideas. Yeah. And then follow us on social media. Our Instagram is nogameplan.podcast. Our Twitter is nogameplan underscore pod, P-O-D. Or you can write us on our email, which is nogameplan.podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends, share with your enemies, share with your mom, share with your gran. Everyone should listen to this especially grand yep peace out toodles are you hungry always yep <laughs>